Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. It's time for Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk on News Talk 1400, WDWS Champaign-Urbana, where we talk all things Illini along with other area national sports. Join the program by calling 217-356-9397 or send a text to the Castle Heating and Cooling text line 217-351-5357. You can also email us at talk at wdws.com. Now, here are your hosts, Lauren Tate and Steve Kelly. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to the program. The Kofi Coburn saga continues. We also have open play in AAU basketball, so the coaches are out on the road. The third assistant coach of the U of I has been named, Tim Anderson. We'll talk more about that. The NIL is 10 days old, and the Wild Wild West is rolling with that. The Cubs can't beat anybody but the Cardinals, <laughs> and the Cardinals can't beat anybody. <laughs> or, well, they beat San Francisco yeah, they did. two out of three. But they can't beat the Cubs, that's for sure. That series continues today after the Cubs won yesterday. Those are some of the things we'll be uh, talking about this morning on the show. The phone line is open, 217-356-9397. How are you getting along? Well, I'm getting along good. I'm glad to see that, uh, you know, that Illinois is de- very definitely in the picture for Kofi. I mean, I know that it's a scary time, and, and uh, he could wind up elsewhere in, uh, in collegiate basketball, but uh, it's encouraging to, to look down at Atlanta and see, he seated w- see him seated with um, Alexander, who is an assistant coach for the Illini, and I guess they had meetings with, uh, with uh, Underwood down there with him and his family, huh? Yep, and uh, like I say, that uh, situation continues, and a lot of people are <laughs> uh, not living and dying by it, but a lot of people are staying on the uh, the uh, chat boards and refreshing all, <laughs> all, all along. Brad Sturdy, by the way, will be one of our guests coming up at uh, 9.15. He is in, he was in Birmingham, he's in Atlanta today watching uh, players, so we'll talk to him about it, but a lot of folks... Uh, Obviously, want to know what Kofi's going to do, and now that he's officially pulled out of the NBA draft. Well, I think that, um, that certainly the he he faces a situation at Kentucky if he goes there, a competitive situation at the center position. Not that he wouldn't be the main guy, but I I'd see that as a as a as a split situation. When you with Shebe, I can't pronounce the name yeah. pr- properly, but that's close. Oscar. Oscar, yeah, let's call him Oscar. <laughs> yeah, but he is there, and uh, no doubt uh, uh, it would be limited minutes, I would think, uh, at Kentucky for Kofi. And you could make a case. People have been doing it all week, and, and we'll continue to do it till he decides what he's going to do. Where, you know, where does he fit best? I don't know how we can answer that with uh, just the wide open field that it is with this NIL and you oh, know what is going to be promised. There are negotiations going on right now that yeah. we don't even want to know about this. Right. I mean, it's massive. We're talking about hundreds of thousands of dollars here. I mean, that's what we're talking about. And you know, we can kid ourselves that it isn't happening, but it is. And and 
you you know you're not supposed to be uh, making offers uh, in advance. That's in, inappropriate recruiting. But you know what's ha- you know what's happening. I mean, when when we had somebody here say that uh, that Iowa would have made probably like four hundred thousand dollars last year if if he had stay if he had if NIL had been in then. Um, Maybe that's an exaggeration, and maybe it's not. I don't know, but I do know that that North Carolina made a massive offer to uh, Garcia, the junior college transfer. And I mean, the transfer from uh, Marquette. Yes. And uh, I, I'm. <laughs> I mean, they made a, They made an offer that he he couldn't turn down. They must be making a similar offers because they're on a roll. Yeah. yeah, they they just uh, got another commitment for a I guy did, next year. I mean, can, uh, can <laughs> how much money are we talking about? But you know, you, just just think that junior from uh, I think his name was Jalen Lewis, junior high school player, just signed with the overtime yes. team in the G League mm-hmm. for one million dollars. One million. That's what we're talking about here. We're talking about one million dollars for a junior in high school, and I'm telling you that the similar amounts. I mean, not maybe not as much, but similar amounts are being offered all over the country for people through this NIL. Now the question is, how do you get the money to them legally? Because there is a, it hasn't been determined yet whether that's it's possible just to outright hand somebody two million dollars like they did to the rapper's son at Tennessee State. He gets $2 million and he, as a basketball, as a freshman basketball player. What, what did he do to earn that? Or FedEx the money like Kentucky did years ago. Well, that's right. <laughs> yeah. have that package I'm, fall I, I open. I mean, there's no, this thing is going to be so, and the, the other part of it is maybe there is no limit, maybe when it goes to court, that the judge will say, I don't care how much. I mean, why do I care whether it's, I, I made you this example with Iowa, what if somebody, or, or Kofi, what if somebody just want, uh, has, uh, wants to take a picture with him and have him sign it? How much can that person give him for that picture? How much? Can you give him $100? Can you give him $100,000? I mean, there's, there's that much money out there that floating around. Well, what do you get for a signed picture of yourself? About Two cents. <laughs> <laughs> Face on the side of a coffee mug, maybe. <laughs> well, you saw what the uh, what a businessman in Miami did, right? He's paying the whole Miami football team, University of Miami, five hundred dollars a month, a piece, a piece, ninety players for six months. Or whatever half it is. a million dollars yeah. he gave him. Uh, yeah, five hundred fifty thousand dollars. I'm just, I'm flabbergasted. That's got to make the guys that that aren't stars feel pretty good. They're at least, you know, maybe it's a smart move. At least they're getting uh, the All feeling. All he of, did was he wants to help Miami football. That's sure. his only concern. He's got the money. He's a millionaire. So, by golly, he's going to give away half a million to to the players, and, and uh, they get 500 a month every month for the next year. If you got an opinion on that or anything else, Kofi's situation, give us a call. we got an open line here at the uh, beginning and throughout the day. I mentioned uh, Brad Sturdy. He's going to join us at 9.15. Coming up at 9.30, Patrick Embleton. He's the uh, director of football recruiting for 
Brett Bielma and uh, the Fighting Illini. He'll spend some time with us. At 9.45, Steve Lantner, former Illini basketball player, who this week uh, donated $2.5 million to the Ubbin Basketball Project. He'll join us from Arizona. Coming up in the second hour, David Woods from the Indianapolis Star will stop by and visit with us. And He's visiting his mother in mm-hmm. Urbana, and he will be right here. I want to talk a little bit about uh, the passing this week of Gary Winicky. Sorry to see Gary go, obviously, at uh, age 83, one of the the real pioneers in collegiate uh, track and field and cross country. He was kind of a an expert in the half mile. Yep. And, uh, he had so many good 800-meter uh, guys. Yeah, he had uh, – had Actually, from the quarter mile on up, and the half mile especially, and of course the mile with Labadee and with guys like uh, Virgin who ran even further, yeah. longer distances. And uh, also passing this week, uh, one of your contemporaries, yep. Ron Ferguson, the Ron basketball Ferguson coach. Ron Ferguson was the coach of the uh, Thorn Ridge team that mm-hmm. in 1972 won every game, and by a margin of 14 points or more every game for the entire season. That's the Quinn Buckner team with Lloyd Batts, and Mike Bonzik, and uh, I can't remember the other two. Uh, Rose, I think, was a starter on that team. I can't remember the other one. But anyway, this is one of the great teams in the history of, of Illinois basketball, and it was deemed to be the best up to its time and for years after. And uh, Fergie was a University of Illinois graduate and uh, got that job at Thorn Ridge and built that from basically from no school, you know, from – they, it was a new school. I, I remember when I was in Hammond, it was a new school up there. Uh, Thornton was the only school. And then, there, of course, later there was Thorn Ridge and Thornwood. Mm-hmm. He was 89. Gary Winicky uh, passed at 83. And uh, so David Woods will visit with us and talk about Gary Winicky. And then at 1030, Kendall Gill will talk some basketball with Kendall. The 32nd Cunningham Children's Home Kendall Gill golf outing is Monday. At Savoy National, they've got both courses, and they've raised $550,000 over the 31 previous years for Cunningham Children's Home. You said uh, Savoy National, Savoy International. That's the airport. (laughs) (laughs) The golf course is Savoy National. (laughs) Augusta Augusta National, Savoy National. (laughs) That's that's where we go with that, but uh, that's our... Our lineup, the phone line is open, 217-356-9397. So Tim Anderson is the uh, much-anticipated, if you will, um, third assistant basketball coach on uh, Brad Underwood's staff. He comes with a Chicago background, spent some time at DePaul, also worked uh, in the AAU circuit and, and helped train some guys for the NBA draft. I think they feel like he's going to be a strong recruiter, obviously. Uh, he doesn't actually go to work till July the 26th, mm-hmm. but Steve, he's been working for Illinois for weeks, if not months. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. No, I mean, there's it. a reason. I mean, yeah. sometimes you can be more valuable when you're not on the staff. That's been done before, by the way. Right. Guys can, you, you have a lot more mobility when you, you don't have the NCAA rules to worry about. Right. Let's go to the phones here real quick. Alan in Montrose. Good morning, Alan. Morning, guys. Uh, boy, we got a lot to talk about. Uh, except for the Cardinals, they ain't worth talking about. Pretty sad. Uh, well, it's a good thing we got Netflix. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's what. After the first inning, I just turn on Netflix. What's What's the show on Netflix? I got one well, for you, Bosh. Right. <laughs> okay. You're absolutely just about right because boy, I'm so tired of watching these guys swing and miss, swing and miss, and 
Well, you know that there was. A, I read a story this morning uh, that Bernie was. I don't know if Bernie wrote it. I don't. I guess he didn't. It wasn't uh, Bernie Miklas, but about their on base percentage is by far the worst. And the worst part of it is they give up so many. Ba- when we talk about on base percentage, we're also talking about walks and hit batsmen. Nobody walks more or hits more batters than the Cardinal pitchers. And and by uh, contrast, they're not getting on base. Uh, you know, they're last in the league. Yep. Well, the last three batters in their lineup is one of the one of the worst in the baseball period. Okay, yep. you and said also, uh, you said the Cardinals weren't talk worth talking about, and you're talking about them. what <laughs> what else is on your mind? <laughs> uh, let's go on to something else. One I was originally going to talk about the NIL. Where do I start there? Uh, I see so many situational problems with that, and I don't know how they go. It's going to get rectified. I, I'm just wondering if uh, Cam Buckner and that bunch really thought this all out because. Well, yeah, it, you it, ha- it, yeah. I mean, point. you can't be the only state not doing it. It isn't a case of Cam Buckner. Cam Buckner didn't do anything wrong. He's just meeting the competition, and you got to do it. It's na- it's well, national. I, I mean, eventually it's going to get that way. But did they all really think things out? Uh, what's the rules going to be? Is the NCAA going to be able to uh, institutionalize? Crucialize these rules. Well, I can see it getting to the. Go ahead. Well, it's, it's all going to be decided by a judge. I just keep saying that. I mean, yeah. any rule that the NCA has now is subject to adjudication. Yeah. I, I brought up something, well, Steve, and, and I know this is outrageous, okay? But if you're 21 years old and you're competing and they're selling beer at the, at the games, why can't you endorse beer? You you mean to tell me a judge is going to say, oh, he can't do that? But he's 21 years old. He can, he's his drinking age. I'm not saying he should be drinking. I'm just saying that he can endorse it. And is you you tell me how the judge is going to rule on it. I can't tell it, you that. Well, I know I can't either. But <laughs> I, what I'm saying is that the NCA rule doesn't matter in, until a judge has, has ruled on it. Right. The situation now is uh, not only are you going to – Go out to recruits. You're going to have to recruit your own ballplayers every year. That's right. Year after year. That's and right. And that that's going to be daunting. I mean, every year is going to be a total, probably a total changeover. I can see it getting to the point with boosters and corporations getting involved that this becomes a cesspool to the point where the universities would just give up sports. I can see that coming in about uh, 20, 25 years. Well, I won't be around to see it, so I can't. Well, neither will I. Yeah, let, neither will I. Somebody have to let us know how that went. <laughs> hey, Alan, thanks for the call. Appreciate send me, it. Send me a message. Yep. <laughs> Let's uh, go to uh, Jim in Champaign. Good morning, Jim. Hey, good morning, Stephen Lauren. Um, I'm glad Lauren brought this up about Thornridge. Um, in... Last year, about 14 months ago, we didn't have any sports news at all that was, well, any at all, and none of it was good except we did find out that the University of Illinois is going to host the state basketball tournament again. Right. And to me, that was uh, just, it was so cool because 50 years ago, my brother played point guard on Lawrenceville's basketball team, and that was the first year they had the two-class system. Mm-hmm. 
And so I was hoping that the State Farm Center might bring back Thorn Ridge team, the the guys that were on there. I think there was Lloyd and Boyd Bats. Well, I know that Lloyd and Boyd both played. I can't tell you which years they. I know Lloyd played in '72. I don't know which year uh, Boyd played. They maybe played in both. I'm not sure. Well, I'm not either. But I do know that it would be cool to see my brother come back to the State Farm Center. Well, they might have a 50th anniversary thing in 2022. That'd be good. And well, they, that's what I was yeah. Oh, I was like, man, that would be awesome if they have that. I don't know yeah. if it's in the works or before you know it, it's going to be in January or February of next year. And uh, Anyway, I, I just hope he gets to come back and step on the floor of the uh, State Farm Center. And, and Yeah, it's too bad Fergie can't be back. That's right. That's yeah. right. Great guy. Yeah. Anyway, that's all I called. Thanks for your call. Yeah, thanks, Jim. We appreciate it. It is uh-huh. 9.15. This is Illini Palace Saturday Sports Talk. I mentioned uh, Brad Sturdy is going to join us. He's with us on the telephone uh, this morning. Hey, Brad, how are you? Good. How are you? Good. Do you know where you are? Are you in uh, Alabama or Georgia this morning? <laughs> I'm I'm in Alabama now. I'm on my way from uh, Georgia, and I'm uh, actually in the car, and I'll be uh, in uh, Birmingham in about oh 25 minutes. So. Oh, okay. Well, uh, help uh, kill some time on your drive for you here, real quick. Uh, first of all, let's uh, get your thoughts on the hiring of Tim Anderson as the uh, third basketball assistant. This is something that uh, probably wasn't uh, a big secret over the past few weeks, but it is now official. What do you think? I think it's a great hire. I think Tim brings uh, great connections, not only in the Chicago area, but also elsewhere. And um, he's, uh, he's well-respected by people. He's trained NBA players. He has the ability to, you know, he's helped kids who uh, develop into NBA players. So, you know, you look at his list of guys that he's trained, and, man, it's, a, it's an impressive list. And so that's a great selling point. As Illinois, you know, talks about the player development and things like that, then, Tim has a track record for doing just that. And so I think he's great there. He's got great connections, not only in Illinois, but also across the country. Um, really rounds out the staff well with, you know, Chester's, um, you know, obviously East Coast connections. And then you've got, you know, Jeff Alexander with his connections. And um, it's really a, a, a home run staff. I mean, it's, it's about as good as you could have expected when you consider that they lost all three staff members um, in this offseason. And that's about as good a recovery as I could expect could have expected from uh, Brad Underwood. Uh, Brad, uh, this is Lauren. What what took this so long? I mean, we've known about this for weeks, or at least we've been told about it. And why didn't they announce it a month ago? Well, I just didn't. I don't know that there was any. Um, I think they just finally reached the point where they decided they needed to announce it. Um, he's working. He's actually helping run the EYBL, um, so he's going to be in front of these kids now. He, I believe he's actually down here in Birmingham at another event at the Hoops uh, event, um, so uh, Prep Hoops event. So he's actually down here, and so he's, although he's training guys and doing things, he doesn't start until July 26, so he can still be working in his, his job as, you know, helping run the EYBL. So he's got to be in front of kids, and they know now he's going to be an Illinois coach. So Illinois is going to actually have him plus four coaches out this July period. So I give them actually five coaches. Um, uh, out out during the, this period, so it's pretty a uh, pretty good deal for Illinois. Actually, maybe a little uh, advantage for them. 
Talking to Brad Sturdy from IlliniGuys.com. There's still a position on the staff, apparently, uh, yet to be filled, a non-recruiting position. What do you hear about that? Yeah, it's going to be filled. Um, I'm not quite sure when it's going to happen. It could be uh, in a week or two. Um, just have to stay patient on this one. It's going to be, uh, I, I'm, if it ends up being the person I think it is, I think people are going to be really happy. Um, so we'll just have to kind of let that play out. But I think, um, you know, Brad's definitely going to fill that position. And um, and it, it'll be a person that I, I think has, uh, you know, a lot of, um, has a great track record and also has, uh, would be someone people are excited to see. Speaking of uh, seeing how things play out, uh, give us an update if there is one on uh, Kofi. I know he was spotted down there in, uh, what was that, Birmingham where he was? Or Atlanta? He was in Atlanta at yeah. the Armour event with his old, uh, four, one of his old AAU coaches, right? And uh, so uh, it was it's great because Illinois can actually, you know, because Kofi's one of their guys, they can talk to him. So you know, they, sat, they can sit with him and talk to him a little bit at different times and so Jeff Alexander was able to do that. I think Brad Underwood's going to be there today. Um, I actually got to talk to Kofi a little bit Friday night. It was fun. Um, we didn't talk about where he's going to school, but we did talk about important stuff like Instagram live videos and, and video games and, you know, stuff like that. Um, but uh, Kofi is, uh, you know, he's going to make a decision. You know, I would think it's going to be the next couple weeks. He wants to take a visit or two and just see some places. Um, I think the biggest thing is he just wants to make sure that he, you know, does what's best for him. Uh, his future and trying to find out. I, I think, you know, he's just a, he's a kid who wants to, you know, make sure he gets it right this time. And it, it, I think Illinois is the best choice for him from, uh, you know, from all the name image likeness that he could create. He, you know, the fact that he'd come back and be a, you know, probably a first team All American. He's going to be a face of the program and just, you know, um, I, I think it's the best place for him, but I think he's got to decide that for himself. Uh, Brad, we mentioned earlier that if he went to Kentucky, he would be facing a competitive situation at center. I mean, I assume he would, there would be shared time. What do you think about, is that a, a fair statement, that uh, that he would be required to do that if he went to Kentucky? Oh, no question. Oscar Sheetway and uh, Damian Collins both there. Um, Kentucky's also in on um, a couple of high school kids who may reclass. Uh, and then um, they've also, you know, Kentucky only has one scholarship. They're also in on Marcus Carr. So there is a They've got a ton of dudes, not only in that position, but also a full roster of, you know, guys. So I, I think that Illinois, you know, obviously you could come in, and Illinois has Omar Payne, uh, who I think is um, going to be a quality big man. But he, you know, Kofi's a different different guy. So uh, he's a, he would really upgrade for Illinois. I think um, you could see him and Payne be a really uh, dynamic duo, and he'd get you know plenty of minutes at Illinois and, and be the face of the program, like you say. And, you know, even if he goes to Kentucky, he's still got to—he's going to have to split time because there's no way Cal's not going to play those guys um, that he that he you know pushed so hard to get. Brad, give us an idea of some of the guys that you have seen play, and uh, maybe some that you uh, are looking forward to seeing here before the weekend's out. Yeah, actually, I'll, I'll talk about a guy I'm going to see right now. I'm actually going to see. Uh, there are two guys that I really am excited to see. Um, one of them is Jaden Epps. Jaden Epps, a uh, six-two uh, uh, guard from um, out east Chester. I, connections with him before he came to Illinois. I think Illinois is a really good position with him. He can really shoot the ball, really score. Um, he would come, he would really uh, pair well with uh, Sincere Harris, the kid that they got a commitment from last week, uh, who's a, like a 6'4", kind of combo guard. Um, so Epps is a kid that Illinois loves. Um, I know Underwood saw Underwood and Chester were both watching him last night. Underwood saw him the first day as well. 
um, so these are, and that's Brad Underwood too, so, saw him the first day. So those first kid I'm going to see today, and Colin Smith, the kid from uh, Dallas, who I'm going to see as well. He has had a, maybe didn't have the best spring, but has had really broke out this weekend. Um, 6-8 forward, who can really shoot the ball, uh, really score. Um, so those are a couple guys that I'm going to see today, among others. Um, and then, uh, you know, over the weekend I got a chance from Illinois kids. I got a chance to watch Illinois Wolves. I know you got a, probably got some Tuscola listeners with Jalen Quinn. I thought he played very well. Um, I thought he had a good, you know, good first couple of days at the Under Armour event. You know, and from an Illinois standpoint, you've got, you know, Jaden Shoot and um, Braden Huff are two kids that Illinois covets on that Wolves team. Um, so they're some of the guys I saw um, this weekend. I thought both those guys played really well. Jake Shoot just hit the – I mean, he's just – he makes so many shots. I mean, guy is just is a fantastic shooter, and he's underrated. He had guys, you know, he had Duke, North Carolina, and uh, Texas, among others, um, watching him last night, including, you know, former Illini, uh, Jared Howard was there for Texas watching him. So there's a lot of um, – he's going to have a ton of interest. He's already got most of the Big Ten that has offered him. So um, he's a kid that is very uh, – Illinois very, wants very badly because of his ability to, to knock down shots and – He's also very underrated athletically at 6'5". I mean, he can, you know, he, he surprises you with a backdoor cut and a dunk, and you're kind of like, well, I didn't know he had that in him. So um, he seems to do that about every game. So very, he had, he had a good uh, start to the weekend. Um, Thursday and Friday, I got to see him play, you know, three or four games. So that was fun. Um, you know, as far as, you know, there were some big guys that I got to see that I don't, you know, kind of on the radar, you know, uh, from, from other places. So it's good to get to see some of those guys as well. But, yeah, it's uh, it's been a it's been a busy couple of days. So hopefully uh, we can uh, you know wrap it up and maybe Illinois get some good news over the weekend. Well, uh, just uh, to clarify on shoot, would you say he has bypassed Casey as the number one player in the state uh, in the next recruiting class? In my opinion, yes. Um, I think he's the best player in Illinois. Um, he just does so many things. Uh, so many things well that maybe don't get noticed, but his ability to score the basketball. And that's not a, you know, A.J. Casey probably hasn't had the, the spring and summer that, you know, you you expected from him. He has all the he has all the measurables, you know, at six foot eight and athletic. But um, uh, Jane just gets so much done, um, you know, with his scoring, with also his passing, with his, um, you know, his, his rebounding defense. He does a little bit of everything, but he, he gets a lot done, and I think that's why he's, he's probably the number one player in that class. Let's take a phone call for Brad Sturdy. This is Chuck in Camargo. Go ahead, Chuck. Good morning, guys. How you doing? Okay. What's on your mind? Hey, hey, Brad. I got a couple questions for you. I figure if uh, you can't answer them, I'm sure Lauren can. Uh, first question is: How long does Kofi have till decide to come back to college or to announce a school? Well, Kofi just has to enroll in classes in August, so he could wait as long as he wants. Um, I don't think he wants to wait that long, but um, he could wait until August um, to actually make his announcement or decide. Okay. My next question is, uh, I'm hearing rumors that Nick Irvin might be on board staff. Is that? Can you confirm, or have you heard anything about that? That, that was a rumor that's going around. I, I, that, I don't think that's going to be the, the choice for uh, the staff. I don't think Nick Irvin's going to be on the staff uh, at least next year. Okay, one more question, I promise. How much can a player make off this NIL a year? Is there a limit? Infin- there, there isn't a limit. 
infinitesimal. <laughs> yeah, there is a limit. It's going to be interesting to see what happens. I don't think there is a market that's set yet. I think that's the hard part. You've got uh, schools that, um, I'll tell you a funny story. We actually had a Big Ten coach who said, um, yeah, they brought, you know, a, a Big Ten coach told this weekend said, I think, you know, um, E.J. Liddell, Ohio State probably told him he could make $100,000 in name, image, likeness. And, and it was funny because I think the numbers are much higher than that. And, and But the, some coaches don't really know what's going on. And I think it's going to depend on the player. I mean, I think um, I heard that one player um, who is, you know, I, I can't tell you who it is because I think that would violate confidence. A player made $8,000 in the first week of this, um, uh, in the first week of July. So that kind of gives you the perspective of how much money they can make. And this was a, you know, a, a known guy, but maybe not like a, not like an all-American player. So there's a lot of money out there to be made. Um, I think it'll slow down in some of those aspects, but there's a lot of money for these kids. And and, and uh, Illinois has done a really good job of setting things up for them. And I think that they have a really good grasp on what's realistic and what isn't. And uh, some other schools are kind of throwing some things against the wall, and we'll see how that all shakes out because. Some states haven't approved it, so they don't even know what their what their state legislation looks like. So it, there's a lot of things that still have to play out um, with this NIL. But I think they're, it's going to be really good for college kids. I mean, you're not going to see the – they're going to be quite as uh, destitute as they were before. Hey, Chuck, thanks for the call. We appreciate that. Bradley, we'll let you go. I'll give you an assignment, uh, something to think about while you're watching basketball. Figure out a way – for you, me, and Mr. Tate to get in on this NIL stuff, <laughs> yeah, we'll take eight thousand a week. I, you know, I don't need big money, but that would work hey, okay. I, I usually have to pay eight thousand a week for anybody to want to see my likeness, so um, you know, it doesn't, uh, doesn't work as well for me. So good stuff, Brad. Keep up the good work, and uh, we'll see you soon. All right, thanks, guys. Appreciate you, it. See you you. That's Brad Sturdy from LionEyeGuys.com. I got a correction yeah. to make. Uh, got a call, and I'm sure this is correct. Boyd Bats played for Thornridge. Lloyd Bats played for Thornton. That's what I'm told, and I'm sure that's right. Roger Lowe told you that, didn't he? I don't know who I, told. I, I saw that Roger called in. Oh, did he? Well, and, uh, yeah. Well, it's my mistake. Quinn Buckner, Boyd Bats, Ernie Dunn, uh, Greg Rose. They were players on the on that Thornridge team in 1972, but. I was mistaken. I had, well, I, get, I I always got confused, and I I wasn't around here during that time. I always got confused with Thorn Ridge, Thornwood, and all. Yeah, and Lloyd and Boyd. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> it is a nine thirty WDWS Champaign Urbana. We'll take our first time out. We're off and rolling. We'll keep the phone lines open. We'll talk a little Illinois football coming up next. Stay with us. Welcome back to the show. This is Illinois Fellows Saturday Sports Talk with you until eleven o'clock this morning as. Always, Lauren Tate and yours truly, Steve Kelly. We'll talk some basketball off the top. We've got more basketball to talk about as we move our way through, but going to talk some Illinois football now. And joining me now is Pat Embleton, the Director of Personnel and Recruiting for Illinois Football. Good morning, Patrick. How are you? Doing great, Steve. How are you? Good. Uh, if my math is correct, I, I think we're about 49 days away from that uh, kickoff of the uh, first ball game. It'll be here before you know it. Tell me what's new. How the, how the first six months of uh, Brett Bielma's era gone, realizing he hadn't played a game yet, but has everything gone okay uh, from your viewpoint as far as getting uh, the attention of players across the state and the country? 
Yes, Steve, it's, it's been, uh, it's been fantastic. Just really well received throughout our state. Um, the messages that, that, uh, the players are listening to and, 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 um, everything has been unbelievable. Um, you know, like you said, we are undefeated right now, so that's always a positive sign. Um, but we are excited, like you said, 49 days away till kickoff and, and we couldn't be more excited to showcase what we have on the field this season. You've been around a while and served under a few head coaches here. How important to you, in your opinion, is the fact that you have 21, 22 super seniors back that have been there, done that, and played in the Big Ten? Uh, you, you really can't put um, anything on it, Steve, just because of, of the experience is the biggest thing, right? Like these guys have been through – years of experience of college football they've been at the biggest stage now last year they weren't able to play for the fans but um they're able to show the younger guys who who haven't been in front of 80 90,000 people um how it's, when you get on the field it's it's really just the game right still 22 players on a field at one time so um that that part is unbelievable and I, and I think having you know the most super seniors back is going to be invaluable to not only those guys to help their stock moving forward, but but to our freshmen as well. This is Lauren. Uh, I'm I'm concerned about um, the defensive side of the ball, and it looks to me like uh, initially uh, Bielema has gone for offensive players in, in the next class, receivers and offensive linemen mostly. What? How many uh, total players do you intend to take, and will there now be an, more of an uh, emphasis on defense? Well, I think uh, yes, Lauren. You're right. We have we ha- we do have more offensive players committed at this time, um, but that doesn't mean that we're not recruiting defensive players. It's just we are uh, we have you know less less uh, open spots on the defensive side, you could say. Mm-hmm. So our tar- our targets aren't uh, they're a little bit fewer. So we have to do some more digging this upcoming season. There's a lot of guys that we want to wait and see them play their. Um, their spring season, or their—I'm sorry—their senior seasons as well, uh, to make some final decisions on guys. And and we had, you know, over 500 kids at at camps this uh, um, this past summer on our campus. So um, it, there's a lot of a lot of guys that we've we've kind of pinned to do some early senior evaluations on. Based on, in other words, uh, you want to see them play when the season starts and before you make a decision on some of them. Is that right? Yes, sir. That's correct. And okay. And what? Uh, how how many players do you intend to take in this class? So we'll probably end up signing uh, close to twenty high school players this class, um, and that always leaves us some wiggle room open for any any tra- graduate transfers or mm-hmm. really the, with the one time transfer rule coming through. That gives us some wiggle room um, to assess our needs after the season's over uh, to really kind of see what the what other positions we need to take at that time? That's just about the position that everybody's taking in. I mean, you got you got to leave room for for later recruiting and and the transfers. The transfers can be vital, I would think, in in filling key positions. That's a hundred percent right. Yeah, the the, the transfers uh, they, they help bridge some some immediate needs right away. Um, and, and kind of talking to Steve's point earlier on, they have experience, um, so just. It helps bridge that gap, and so you you can help develop your younger guys is uh, it, to be it, game ready. Is it too late to uh, to still recruit players for this season? Uh, transfers. I mean, are there still people out there? Uh, there are. Um, after so July first, kind of the 
the transfer portal basically turns over to the new year. Um, and so anybody that was in the portal before July 1st is still allowed to um, immediately transfer. Um, but anyone that enters and after the July 1st, they have to wait a whole year. Mm. So the month of June is really big as far as having people on campus for the first time in over a year. Uh, what are you coaches doing in July? Do you do you get a little vacation time? Is this the last opportunity you might have for a while to, to get a little time off? Yeah, yeah, this is. Uh, we. My daughter's actually staring at me right now. She's ready for me to take her swimming. <laughs> uh, but we have, uh, yeah, we, we get about three weeks off right now. And, you know, we still do staff meetings, and that's the great thing that, that the pandemic had, had taught us was how to operate, um, you know, working away from the office. So we still do some staff meetings while we're we're on vacation. Um, but for the most part, this is a chance for us to really kind of hone in and be with family and, and spend time with our kids. That pandemic uh, was, I'm sure, a little um, frustrating because of it in many ways, but you've got that new uh, Smith building over there, the football building that uh, you were anxious to, to show off to people. And you could do some of that on video and on Zoom and such, but I'm sure it was huge to, uh, to, to get guys on campus and let them see that for the first time. Steve, it was it was so much fun just to see you know to see players' reactions, um, and parents' reactions when they walked into that door. Because, like you said, there's only so much we can show through FaceTime, through Zoom, uh, through PowerPoint, through pictures. Um, but they really can't grasp it until they get into that building. And so, that building has been unbelievable, um, uh, you know, for our recruiting efforts. But it's it's no matter what you do, it's mainly about the people inside that building. And we have a great staff, um, both. Offense, defense, special teams, recruiting staff, and we all work really well within that building. You were kind enough uh, last month to give uh, the media a tour of that building. We'd seen it before, Lauren and I, but uh, maybe not as extensively as we saw at that time. And uh, I told Lauren as we were walking through there, if I was an athlete there, I, I may never need to leave that building <laughs> other than to go out and play a game. <laughs> you got endless snacks in that building. You can go bowling, right? You can play ping pong. Uh, yeah, it's 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 a really really great building to utilize for our players. And that was the whole point: is is they're around this building so much. Let's make them comfortable and enjoy themselves while they're here. You worked, as I mentioned, with a couple of different coaches here, Lovey Smith, of course, and before that. And when a new coach takes over, obviously, um, you're interested in staying. If you were, and you were. Um, you go into that with an open mind, and every coach is different. Tell me some of the differences between this staff so far uh, that you've seen. Well, I, I would say um, really the, the main thing is is the uh, just the direct communication and kind of a daily agenda as to um, as to what you know we need to do on a day to day basis, right? So um, that's the first thing is is being able to um, kind of get there, have an early morning staff meeting and lay out the plan for not only the week, but, but your daily goals that you need to accomplish as well. And then once that's all done, uh, typically at the end of the day, we'll, we'll, we'll get into a meeting as well and, and just kind of review if there's anything that came up throughout the day that the entire staff needs to know, or if there's anybody that has to have individual um, updates as well. So I'd say that the main point is, is communication. Coach B is, is a very organized, detailed and communicative person. And, uh, that's been, you know, it makes makes my job easier. It makes everybody's job easier because it, we have a, a, a clear plan to follow. Um, and it's been, it's just been really fun to kind of watch this thing unfold. 
at this point, are all the players that are going to be playing here this season, are they already on campus? There are, yes, sir. Yeah, everybody here is on campus right now. Okay, and when do you actually start the first day of, of official practice? I believe the first day is August 2nd. Okay. That's not far off. <laughs> it's coming no, up. Not far. We're heading yes, toward. Sir. So we're just, yeah, we're heading toward the middle of July. I mean, it's just a few weeks off. Yeah, yeah, we have. Uh, I think we have one more week of of vacation, and then we're back in the office. Uh, not this upcoming Monday, but the following Monday, and then from there we'll have a couple weeks to kind of get reprepped and organized, and and then have our players ready to go for practice. Tell your daughter we're going to let you go and let you go to the pool and uh, enjoy that, Patrick Embleton. We appreciate your time. Always good to catch up with you, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Steve Lauren. You guys have a great one. You too. That's Pat Embleton, Director of Recruiting for the Illinois football team, Director of Personnel as well. 9.42 is the time. We'll take a break and talk some more Illinois basketball and other items as well with Steve Lantner, former Illini basketball player. Stay with us on Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. Welcome back to the program, everybody. Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. It is 9.45 here on WDWS Champaign-Urbana, this is Steve Kelly along with Lauren Tate, and we're here until 11. The phone lines are open, 217-356-9397. Thanks to our guests, the first portion of the show, Brad Sturdy. We talked some Illinois basketball recruiting and other items as well. Also, Patrick Embleton, the director of recruiting for Illinois football, joined us. Now we're happy to welcome to the program former Illini basketball player Steve Lanter, Bellevue, uh, Illinois native, and Belleville, Illinois native, and a former Illini basketball player back in the late 70s. Good morning, Steve. How are you? Hey, Steve. Lauren. Good morning, guys. Uh, thanks for having me on. Yeah, I want to talk to you a little bit about uh, Illinois basketball, but uh, we want to start with the uh, the uh, donation that was announced this week uh, from you for the Ubbin basketball facility of $2.5 million, and you've been actively involved in in uh, Illinois basketball over the years, but talk a little bit about uh, your decision to uh, make that donation at this time. Yeah, Steve, you know, a pretty easy decision uh, for me, and, and it, uh, everything that, you know, they put into the press release, you know, was absolutely true. I just felt it was time to get back. I, you know, look back uh, at my time at Illinois playing for Lou, honestly, playing for the State University, and just what it meant uh, to me, you know, personally and professionally, um, it, it just catapulted my career, as, I, as we said in the article. And, it, uh, you know, I'm at a point in my life now where uh, so many of us that own businesses, run businesses, we're very strategic about how we approach that, right? We have plans, we uh, strategize, we execute. And when it comes to our giving, though, we, we don't, right? We're, we're just not that intentional. And uh, Emily, my wife, and I just recently went through kind of a generous giving uh, strategy conference. And, you know, we just started thinking about, you know, what areas of our life where, where things have happened that have really influenced and, uh, us in a positive way. And Illinois basketball is at the top of the list. And it, uh, so, you know, we're called to, you know, to give joyfully and sacrificially. And it, uh, you know, I mean, this was easy, right? It uh, I've remained really close with uh, Chris Tuttle and uh, Rod Cardinal, Josh, you know, Brad, all, all uh, the, the Illinois basketball program. 
And so, you know, when the need arised, it was, um, you know, it was just an easy decision. So very, uh, very happy to be part of it. You talked, you mentioned Coach Henson, and we all think of him many days, if not every day, but uh, it was just about a year ago that we lost him. And I know he was a big influence in your life. You know, Coach was, he was so good to me. Uh, and it, uh, I look back and, you know, he gave me, he gave me my shot to, you know, to run point on that team and, um, you know, how that's translated into helping me run a business, right? I mean, it, uh, to run the point, you're, you're kind of the captain, you're the leader on the floor and, uh, you know, just trying to get the four other guys to, you know, uh, I don't know, act as a team and distribute and, and make sure everybody's involved and successful, so it was great. I mean, I'm forever debted there. It was a great situation for me coming in, even as a freshman. And uh, he gave me my shot, and it, uh, I'm thankful for that. Well, Steve, I've never asked you this question about what it felt like when you got injured. And what what was your record before before the injury? Was something you run like 15 in a row? Is that right? You know, Lauren, it, uh, yeah, it was, uh, that 79 years, it was kind of a magical year, you know, at least for me. And I think for everybody that was involved back then, it, um, we, we just, we had great chemistry and, and just everything was really clicking and we, yeah, we started off undefeated and kind of rose the ranks and it, uh, if memory serves, I think we got all the way up to like third in the country. And of course, you know, big 10 was loaded that year. You know, I mean, it was, it yeah. was just, I was probably, I don't know. I'm going to say five teams that were probably in the top 25. And, of course, Michigan State with Magic was sitting there at the number one spot, and, and rightfully so. So it was you – know, And you, you made the pass to Eddie Johnson that he still <laughs> revels, revels in the basket from the side that uh, you made the pass, right? Well, you know, I, Lauren, to be honest with you, I'm not sure, you know, why I get so much notoriety on the pass, but I did get the assist. <laughs> and it, uh, it was fun, and you know, of course, Eddie stepped up and hit hit the game winner, and it uh, that was you know it was the highlight of of my college career, and it was uh, you know I think it was even now like one of the top five plays in Illinois basketball, so really cool. Well, the reason I brought this up is that the team kind of fell apart when you when you were out. I mean, tell us what was that like for you with the, with the knee injury, unable to play, and I think the the team kind of crumbled from that point. Well, you know, I, I don't know if I'd go that far, Lauren. But, you know, we did, you know, we, we beat Michigan State Thursday, came back at uh, Ohio State on Saturday, you know, really was an inch away from winning that game. And it's yep. uh, interesting. We, I think we would have been number one on, on Monday when the, when the mm -hmm. AP came out. But uh, anyway, Herb Williams, and they won the game. We went to Wisconsin then the following Thursday. And, yeah, unfortunately, uh, you know, I'd lost my ACL and most of my uh, lateral cartilage the you know, the year before, and it uh, it just went out again. And it, uh, you know, it was about the same time, though, Lord, if you remember that, you know, Brez got hurt and also Hoke went down. So it was not only myself, but it was, we lost a couple of disorders for a period of time. And unfortunately, yeah, we kind of fell in hard times. Well, let's get back to the good news. By the way, how's the thing with you and Larry Lubin? Uh, you, you, uh, the two of you made a contribution scholarship wise in behalf of Lute. How's that going? Yeah, let, let me just, I, I really want to give a huge shout out to Lubes. It, uh, he's still my best friend in the world. And, it, uh, you know, we were college roommate teammates. And it, uh, 
he's actually the reason I went to Illinois. You know, I obviously was doing visits and it uh, got introduced to him. And he was just the most real person that I had really met in, the, in, in kind of that recruiting circuit. So, you know, it loses. He's got a heart to give, too. And it, uh, we, uh, we were with Lou and Mary. And, uh, and you know, I, I read Mary's article, what was going on with Lou, and it was like, wow, it was just laid heavy on our hearts. And we just said, Lou's, you know, we just decided that we got to do something here. So, you know, it's, Larry took the lead and really reached out to Mary and said, hey, what would be meaningful? What would Coach want us to do? And, uh, and that was the idea. You know, he was always intent on having these kids, having the former athletes that you know, didn't graduate have a chance to come back and get their degree from Illinois. So, again, really easy and that, uh, decision, and, uh, you know, I just admire Lips for what he did. Visiting with Steve Lantner, uh, Lanter, sorry. Uh, tell me, tell the folks a little bit more about uh, your business career over the years, Steve. Yeah, happy to. So, it, uh, you know, I had uh, graduated, and, and uh, you know, my, my dad was always in trucking and warehousing, and uh, so I went to work for the family business and just immediately – uh, started this kind of bank courier co- uh, company and started <laughs> marching up and down the state of Illinois. You know, of course, every small town that had a bank, uh, that's where I was. And it uh, it was it was fun. You know, all they wanted to do was talk about Illinois basketball. We were in the heyday back then. And last five minutes, we talked a little business. And, you know, it was it was really, really effective. So that's kind of grown over the years. I'm still uh, I'm a very you know active CEO of Lander Delivery Systems. We're a logistics company. We're nationwide. We deliver uh, emergency parts of the ag and auto industries um, all around the country. How would this work, I wonder, if you were uh, in school now and had the opportunity to, to use your name, image, likeness? Uh, you were pretty aggressive. As I remember, right out, of, right out of college, you were really involved. Uh, could you have gotten involved before? I'm sorry, Lauren, with the, with the family business? Well, I just wonder, name, image, likeness, what you, what you could have done to make money when, you know, under the new rules that, that went in July the 1st. Oh, you know, actually, you know, I'm, I'm not totally familiar with all of that, but it, uh, you know, it. Uh, I mean, I did grow up in the business, and then Dad was really good to let my younger brother and I, you know, just work the dock, so, I, you know, I had a great you know, kind of internship for, you know, probably four or five years before before I broke out and started the career. Steve, what, what are your thoughts on Illinois basketball today? Brad Underwood uh, has got uh, Illinois back to closer to one of those heyday kind of uh, periods that you talked about. And Illinois seen some of those with the Flying Illini and the uh, Final Four team back in 04-05. But your thoughts on the direction of Illinois basketball now? You know, I, I love what Brad's got going on, right? And and success breeds success. Let's face it. You know, it uh, when when you know you go in and you win the Big Ten, you win the Big Ten tournament, and you take a run in the tournament. You know, it just helps on recruiting, right? And 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 you have to be able to bring that talent in. And you know, when I think back to our days with uh, Tony Yates and Les Whitkey and and, and Coach. It, uh, you know, we, we'd always get that top kid out of Chicago. We, you know, they dominated central Illinois. Every once in a while, we'd go down to the St. Louis market and, uh, you know, and pick off some talent like I was from Southern Illinois. And it was just the place to go. And I think Brad's now at a point where he's starting to rebuild that to where it's like uh, kids are going to want to go to Illinois. And then, you know, you still got that top rate facility and what we're doing at Ovens is just really going to, uh, it's really going to help. 
So, you know, it. Uh, I, I love what Brad's got going on. Are you still working full-time, or have you backed it off a little bit? Yeah, you know, if you talk to my wife, I'm, I'm, I'm actually working too much yet. But, it's, uh, you know, <laughs> listen, I, I, it's, uh, I'm passionate about it. I love what I do. Uh, it's turned into a little bit more of leadership development, just making sure the culture remains. And I, I'm, I'm very active with our customer base, too. But, uh, uh, yeah, it's uh, no plans to retire. Um, I, I just don't know what I'd do. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm just not that good a golfer, and I think I'd get bored. Any uh, plans to be back in uh, Champaign-Urbana anytime soon? You know, I've got a lot of uh, friends back in the Champaign-Urbana uh, uh, area, and it. Uh, so you know, we we I live in Scott. Wife and I live in Scottsdale now. We we summer in Aspen, so you know, our life's extremely blessed. But it, uh, yeah, it's. Uh, I always try to get back. Uh, you know, at least once and uh, see friends and take in a game. Take a phone call for Steve Lander. Bob in Urbana, go ahead. Yes. Uh, I always thought <clears throat> when you were playing point guard uh, at 6'5 or 6'6, I thought that was the, the key element because you could see over the defense, you could stand at the point and, and distribute the ball uh, around as, as easy as anyone. Uh, was that part of the success that you had at the time because of your height at the point position? You know, I, I, I think so. I, you know, it, it, when I think back on the, the point guards in the Big Ten back when I was playing, you know, there was a lot of six-footers, six-one, and the fact that I had three or four inches on everybody, I think it did help. There was a, you know, t, t, you know, it was still predominantly teams playing man-to-man defense, but, you know, people would throw those zones up on us, and the ability to, you know, throw the alley-oop, you know, to Hoke and to uh, – presence of some other guys i think it was a real advantage you, you just you could see the floor better and i think that wasn't I, listen there was other point guards that i think were more athletic than i was but it uh you know i had to be smart and you know use all of my god-given talent well that was my memory from from watching you back in in those days and uh, i just thought because you were so tall i said well that's the first time that we've had somebody that's six five or six six playing the point and it, at the time, I thought, well, that's the secret of the 15-0 start where we have the point guard that really can see over everything, over the, the, the defense and the, and the floor. And I just thought it made a difference for you as a player. And I, I, was, I was intrigued by that because you see somebody like Io at 6'5", where he has that little bitty edge, the, the little edge of being that tall that – it maybe makes a difference for him as well going into the uh, NBA coming up. So thanks for taking my call. Yeah, I think really a astute comment. And, you know, if you think back all the way 40 years ago, what was going on, you know, let's put me aside. You know, Magic was the guy that really revolutionized that, uh, that, that you know, that taller point guard. And, you know, it's 6'9". And he didn't run the point at Michigan State, but he went on with the Lakers and, and ran points. So. Hey, Steve, good to catch up with you. We appreciate, uh, obviously, uh, everybody appreciates your donation and your connectivity with the uh, Illinois basketball program. And hopefully if you get up here for a game, we'd love to run into you. Yeah, absolutely, guys. Thanks for having me on. My final comment would be is that, listen, everybody's, you know, got to gauge their own heart for giving. And it, uh, I, I do hope that, uh, that you know, maybe this could inspire some other, you know, ex-athletes to just take a, you know, take a second look at uh, what their giving plan is. And, you know, if they have a heart for it, they should, uh, they should get involved. Thank you, Steve. 
You guys take care. Thank you. You too. That's Steve Lander out in Arizona now, living in the Scottsdale area, played back in the late 70s, and just made a contribution this week of $2.5 million to the Ubbin Basketball Project. And uh, I was over by there the other day. I was out riding my bicycle. I thought I'd go check that out. And uh, they've turned some dirt over there. Yeah, There's really a lot going on in that whole area. Yeah, it's a $40 million operation, and, and Josh Whitman says they've got it all taken care of. At least at some point down the road, it'll take a little while to, for all the money to come in. But $40 million donations Yep, committed. It is 10 o'clock, WDWS, Champaign-Urbana, the first hour of Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk is history. We'll have hour number two coming up. Stay with us. Back after this. It's the second hour of Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. Join the program by calling 217-356-9397 or send a text to the Castle Heating and Cooling text line 217-351-5357. Here again are your hosts, Lauren Tate and Steve Kelly. Welcome back to the program, everybody. It is 10.03, heading towards 11 o'clock. We do have the phone lines open. Like to join us, 217 356 9397. Thanks to our guests in that first hour, Brad Sturdy, Patrick Embleton, and Steve Lanter. It's a good conversation there on Illinois basketball and football. Happy to welcome in the studio now former News Gazette sports writer David Woods, who has been 27 years. That made Lauren and I both feel old <laughs> with the Indianapolis Star. David, good to see you in town. Hey, thanks a lot for having me. This, this is a real treat for me. Well, we wanted to talk to you about uh, a sad happening this week, the passing of uh, Gary Wenicke, and you cover uh, the Olympic sports and track and field uh, as well as anybody I know, and you had a, a great relationship, as did Lauren and I, with Gary Wenicke, and it was, it was sad to, to learn of his passing Thursday morning at the age of 83. What, what first comes to your mind when we bring up the name Gary Wenicke? Well, among several things, and I... I Assembled all these statistics on on Coach Wenicke, and, and and they are impressive, and and they are, they are of note, and they are important. But, but I think of the, of the influence he had on so many athletes over the years, and for such a long time. I mean, every time there'd be some kind of a reunion or or they gathering, come back, or something. They? yeah, all 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 the runners from the '70s and '80s would come back, and you know, of course, when he when he coached uh, some of these guys, you know, he he was just in his uh, you know mid to late '30s. But but he has been influential on really their entire lives, and and you know he is you know you could almost say he was as much a a life coach as a track coach, which probably sounds kind of funny because you know as Lauren knows you know Gary was could be kind of stoic and you know didn't not not a self promoter at all. He was not. I, I think sometimes to his detriment because I I look at some various halls of fame or this accolade or that that, and I'm looking at. Well, that guy was not as good a coach as Gary Winicky, but uh, but uh, so I don't. I'm I'm glad the track is named in his in his honor. I, sometimes I think he was kind of getting his due late, but uh, but I, I know the underrated thing can be overused. But you know, he was kind of an underrated coach, and and uh, really I, I look at the just uh, you know all you know, Illini coaches over the years and, and uh, you know, he, they, they won the Big Ten Championship, as Lauren remembers, in 1975, but they won. Illinois hadn't won anything except fencing like in 12 years. I mean, it was, it was a real low point 
in Illini uh, athletics, and and so that was a lot to override. And uh, oh, I, I, uh, he won a Big Ten championship in 1975 and 1994, and I didn't think of this till I came on the air. I wonder if there are any Illini coaches who won Big Ten championships that many years apart. I'm not sure that there are in any sport. I doubt it. I, w- I, w- I can't imagine who it would be. I mean, that, that's but a really won, prolonged did, am I right? stretch. He won 13 Big Ten championships, uh, yeah, indoor, 12, yeah. outdoor. Six, six, six outdoor, five indoor, and then one cross country. And you say, well, just one cross country. Well, that was an era when Wisconsin was utterly dominant, mm-hmm. winning a lot of NCAA championships. And that was a real – that was a huge upset mm-hmm. when they won. But you know, Wisconsin had one runner who kind of didn't, didn't run well that day. And, and uh, I think everybody and everybody was stunned – when they like, how did this happen? Well, mm-hmm. be, because because uh, Coach Wenicke had his guys ready to go on that day. I, I shouldn't ask you this day, but what happened to track? It, it isn't the sport that it was then. I mean, we had thousands of people come out to the the NCAA tournament, so the two that we held here in the late seventies. Yeah, I, I I don't I, I don't know that the uh, that the leadership of the sport has been as good as it, it should be, and I don't think there's enough. And maybe it's because of the calendar and, and people running around the nation chasing times. But, mm-hmm. you know, there's not enough home meets. Uh, Il- Illinois had uh, a lot of uh, home indoor meets. You could, I mean, you could see them almost every week. And because the Armory was a good facility, I'm really some of my – if I reflected back on, uh, on you know, my career and what I've covered, I mean, some, of the really, some of the most favorite things I ever did were covering Illini track meets in the Armory. And, you know, there was an energy there. There was an electricity there. You know, people did come out and see it. And, uh, and by today's attendance standards, attendance at the 77 and 79 NCAA meets at Memorial Stadium were terrific. Now, you might not have suspected at the time because, you know, it's such a big venue. But, you know, there were 15,000 people at those. And, like, I mean, other than the Penn and Drake relays, you know, there's no track meet in, in the country that ever has that many people at it. And that this is Champaign. You know, this is not like a metropolitan area. We do have the phone lines open. Let's uh, take a call. Steve in Princeton, what's on your mind uh, this morning, Steve? Well, two things mentioned. You got the Lloyd Bass situation uh, covered earlier because I know he played at Thornton with Jim Ard when they won the state championship. But secondly, if Jim Shepard happens to be listening this morning, um, I'm just uh, hope the people are, get his health restored because he's supposed to MC the Illinois Basketball Hall of Fame banquet on uh, August 28th in Redbird Arena in Normal, and I guess he's having some health problems. But uh, you know we need Jim there on the 28th, so if he's listening, I hope he gets his health restored and look forward to hearing him because he was the voice when Steve Lanner and those guys played, and uh, I sure enjoyed Jim Shepard's voice. All right, Steve, appreciate that. Uh- a little side note, I ran into Shep um, two weeks ago, I guess it was, and uh, he is bouncing back. He's going to be fine, and uh, ran into him actually at uh, at a doctor's appointment. Uh, <laughs> I was there for one, and he was there for one as well, but uh, he's hanging in there. David Woods is with us in uh, the studio. You mentioned, as we were talking about Gary Winnicke, we, we want to talk some basketball with you too, but Gary Winnicke, his personality, he was kind of a, and you touched on it a bit, kind of an all-shucks kind of guy, just kind of shy in a way and uh, just preferred to fly under the radar, it seemed. He kind of did, but, boy, he had, he, had, he had great command over his troops. Right. I mean, he, I, I, was, I, was, I sometimes even leery interviewing him a Big Ten week, whether cross-country, indoor track, or outdoor track, 
because like that Monday morning, he was intense, and and I and I think that that uh, I think that channeled over to his uh, to his uh, to his teams. Uh, I, I was really want to thank you know Bob Osmussen publicly. He he did a I, th- I thought he interviewed me yesterday. I knew was, you know I thought he was going to interview some other people too, but uh, on some of his remembrances and 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 Bob did a terrific job uh, on that story, but. I was thinking, too, about the influence he had on people, and, and Lorna would remember this, too. You know, there were several really prominent athletes that Gary kicked off the team for, for, for misdeeds that I don't even know, including Charlton as Whalen in 1976, because and, and the Big Ten beat was going to be at, uh, was at Champaign that year, and, of course, you know, not having his 20 points probably cost Illinois the Big Ten team championship, but he came back, you know, he came back the next year, and, uh, and uh, you know, won everything and, and helped Illinois finish seventh in the NCAA meet at Champaign. And Charlton, uh, much to my delight, was back at the, at the um, uh, uh, naming of the track, uh, the, you know, the week after the Big Ten meet in May. And so, so that, uh, to me, that, like, like where's, where's he, where's I, he I live? Li- I think he lives in, I think he lives in Texas now. Okay. But, but that, to, to show, like, the regard that he, this is a this is a very prominent athlete who was once kicked off the team, and, and came back and and he he thought obviously thought enough of Coach Wanicky to make that long trip. What was and his came best, all the way back. What was his best triple jump, David? Uh, it's a little over fifty five feet. <laughs> and and in nineteen seventy five, uh, he almost broke Bob Beeman's world indoor record in the long jump in the Big Ten meet at Bloomington. So Char- Charlton was was one of the most. Uh, dynamic uh, athletes, and p- perhaps the most Maybe dynamic Demo. athlete I ever covered yeah. in, like you know, I'm afraid to say, in almost a half a century of, of sports journalism. But uh, but Char- Charlton did that. I mean, another time he he kicked off Rod Tolbert, a sprinter off the team. I think this was like in the indoor season of '87. I thought, well, that, that's it. They're not going to win the Big Ten now. That's a catastrophe. Well, they went to Iowa City and without Rod Tolbert, and I don't. And he was like. Talk about points. He was all kinds of points. Well, they won it without him, which was probably pretty humbling to Rod. But then, <laughs> and then, but then later that outdoor season, uh, he came. He was reinstated, and he had a fen- phenomenal Big Ten meet. And and of course, probably the most astute move Gary ever made was to hire Willie Williams as the sprint coach. Are you going to the Olympics to cover that? Not not going to Tokyo, uh, unfortunately. But I'll be uh, I'll be kind of covering remotely from uh, from my condo and have you know, live results and looking up websites and have TV on all the time. And I'll probably sleep about four or five hours a day. I know you've that. been checking out the times. How, how will the U.S. do? I mean, how is this a, is this a championship that they can win? Well, the, the, uh, the, the track team, I think, is, is, very, is very strong. Uh, and across the board, it's, in, it's, it's men and women, uh, you know, th- throws, jumps, middle distance. It used to be like there's certain events that the U.S. would just dominate. And other events, well, they'll never win a medal in that. And it, it's a pretty balanced team. Um, the U.S. track team won 32 medals at Rio, which I think was the most in a non-boycotted Olympics, like excluding uh, 1984 when the Soviets weren't there, since 1932. And I think they have at least a chance uh, to win that to win that many medals uh, again. Um, so we'll we'll see what can happen. It's hard to know in a pandemic Olympics exactly what might. Yeah, happen. I was going to say. I, how do you, and there'll be no there'll be no uh, tennis other than people from Japan. Is that correct? Well, now they're saying no spectators at all, at in, all. in the Greater Tokyo area. So um, so well, yeah. it'll be weird. Although you know, 
gosh, American athletes have competed before no fans for months. So I, I don't know if uh, – so you're going to have to be focused because you're sure not going to get any energy from the crowd. Talking to David Wood, sports writer for the Indianapolis Star, former staffer here at the uh, News Gazette. What are some of your highlights of your career? Uh, that takes in a lot of ground, I know, but uh, you've covered a lot of different things. Well, yeah, I, you know, I'd say probably covering, you know, covering the uh, the uh, Olympics for the Indianapolis Star. More also, so than more so than Butler. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And and I and you and I, you, you covered two runner-up teams, right? Well, yeah, that, and that's certainly a highlight too. Covering uh, covering. Um, uh, Butler's uh, back-to-back runs to the to the national championship game in ten and eleven, and and have written uh, you know three books about Butler basketball. I spent three consecutive summers writing books about Butler basketball, which like that was unfathomable <laughs> when, when I left Champaign in nineteen ninety four. Like that's like crazy. That was for years the opening game for Harry Combs and the Illini. The I remember that. I remember yeah. listening to an Illinois Butler game on the radio. When you were uh, six when, years old. When, 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 <laughs> I, when I was a little kid and uh, and I'm sure it was at Hinkle Field House. Of course, I, I think it'd be a really good annual series or at least a good, you know, it's Big East, Big... But, absolutely. Because it'd be, it's handy. I mean, both teams are in power leagues. It's uh, it's a really good game and, and you don't have to travel that far. And, you know, so that's kind of, they could just drive over that day. I just think it would be a really, I, I don't see the downside for either program to just, just schedule that. Too tough a game. <laughs> well, it's, it should be a tough game for either either team. Yeah. It would be. You still cover Butler? Yep, still cover Butler. I think I think this next season will be my 20th season uh, uh, covering Butler. And, and uh, they've got kind of a bloated roster. Because What's the, their secret? To the, you know, they're not always successful, but yep. when they had success, what was it? Was it defense? They they were very strong defensively, and uh, and I think they probably maximized their, especially when Brad Stevens was there. I think they maximized their strengths and minimized their weaknesses just better than most of their peers. Well, I took you off track. Back to track. Oh, that's okay. <laughs> but that was certainly a highlight. But and but I I, I we mentioned earlier the seventy seven and seventy nine. NCAA meets Memorial Stadium. I mean, those. I mean, I was a very young reporter there, but then, but that that's definitely a highlight. And 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 Coach Wanicki is the one who uh, who uh, who made those things happen. He had like a separate office over at Memorial Stadium to to work on uh, things ahead of that uh, ahead of that nationals apart from his Armory office, just so he could be cut off and not have distracted and and prepare for those. But th- those were those were uh, good meets both. Uh, both aesthetically and organizationally. Well, where do we go from here as far as Illinois track is concerned? Well, I'm, I'm hopeful that this that the outdoor facility, which I was you know fortunate enough to be at for the Big Ten outdoor mm-hmm. meet, that is a really nice facility. Mm-hmm. I was extremely impressed, and of course it has the I think the men's and women's track locker rooms. Just the whole concept of it is really I mean it's it's kind of simple, but it's so smart. You know, you have soccer on one side and and the track and field on the other, and you know the locker room stuff in the middle, and uh, you know I, Illinois' indoor facility is good too. So I, I really hope that that uh, improves uh, Illinois' recruiting because I, I don't I really don't know if a Big Ten school has combination indoor outdoor facilities uh, as as good as what Illinois has. Well, you know it's um, it's, it's 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 just a matter of time. I mean, I think until Illinois bounces back in track, but with the facility, but Something has happened to the following. There is a backlog of P5 
people really interested in track in this community. But if you don't have meats, <laughs> they gradually uh, fade away, and I think they have faded away. Yeah, and, and, and it's understandable. You, you, you have to, you have to uh, you know, perform in front of your home people. And, and even in the 70s, Illinois didn't have a bunch of outdoor meats, but they had some. And indoors, you know, they were home almost almost every week. And um, uh, of course, when Charlton Whalen and Craig Virgin were here, it almost it almost didn't matter that you may not win the Big Ten all the time because you had the two most prominent people in the conference. I mean, mm-hmm. you had stars, and and I think we've seen in pro and college people do gravitate to stars, whether the team is phenomenal or not. When I first came to town back in uh, the early 80s, I remember uh, some outstanding dual meets, SIU and Illinois, and there was always something going on uh, track-wise that you could go over and watch, and it's, I think it's a, a big void. Yeah, well, I, I, th- I do think it's, you know, in fairness to all the schools, it's difficult the way they set up the qualifying. You need yeah. to run certain times to advance through, and then, the, you know, the spring, the spring calendar of good weather is so small. You know, the Big Ten meet used to be held, you know, years in late May. Well, now it's mid, mid-May and then try to compress other parts of your schedule. So it, it's really, it's just difficult. It's just difficult to make it work and, and to have outdoor meets home. So really about the only thing you can do to counteract that is to maybe try to be at home more indoors. Let's go back to basketball. You're still covering uh, the Butler Bulldogs. Your take on the uh, rage of the day, the two rages of the day in college basketball, the transfer portal and NIL. Is this a, a, a combination wild, wild west about to happen? I, I think it is. I, I think we're going to see a lot of unintended consequences from that. Um, I, I, it also could be very instructive and maybe even could be humbling to some football and basketball players because I think a lot of guys are going to find out they're not really worth as much as they thought. I mean, I, I don't know – if local businesses, if it's really worth their outlay to, you know, to award uh, money to, you know, this quarterback or that point guard or that and that. So I, I guess we'll see. It's a lot to shake out. I, 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 I guess you have to do it by law, but I, I'm, not, I'm not sure it's going to be for the, for the betterment uh, of the game. I, th- I think Olympic sports athletes are probably going to be more valuable than some of the football and basketball players. Uh, for instance, I'm covering the runner Cole Hawker, who's in Indianapolis. He's already signed like a t- he has a T-shirt with his name on it. He's already signed a T-shirt deal. I mean, Nike could give him like a million dollar contract for endorsements, and he could continue to run for Oregon. Uh, Lily King, the IU swimmer, she turned down thousands of dollars to continue swimming for Indiana. Under the current rules, she could have been an endorser for Speedo or some other product, and she could continue swimming for Indiana. Because she, for instance, she is more important in the sport of swimming than Trace Jackson Davis is in the sport of basketball. So she's worth a lot more. It's, it's, we're going to see a lot of weird things. Uh, I think female athletes are, may, may benefit more than male athletes with some of this NIL stuff. Uh, I was going to ask about crazy. that. Is there a Title IX element in all of this? I mean, if, if X amount of dollars are going to male athletes – does that need to be matched, or has that even been discussed yet? I don't think Title IX figures into. I don't the think NIL. it does either. But I think this is every man for every man or every woman for themselves. Yeah, it is, and of course, and I, in a way, this it, in a way the schools can kind of shrug their shoulders at it because it's not costing them any money. They're not having to pay extra. Don't 
say that until you know how it affects the businesses who have been donating to them. That's exactly right. You know, it might cost the, the it will, it will, I mean, there, you only got so much in a budget, right? If you've got a business. Right. And if, if you've been giving X number to the university and you decide to give a portion of that to a player, then. You cut back what the, you give the university. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I see the unintended consequences are, we don't know what they are yet, but I, I'm, I'm very uh, skeptical of the whole thing working out satisfactorily. How does Butler stand, considered kind of a mid-major, how do they stand in the donation community around Indianapolis? I mean, I'm sure they have their supporters, but is it a strong following? Yeah, it, there, it's, uh, Butler's following is, is smaller, you know, but the devotion is deeper. So I, I, I think it has been and will continue to be uh, a strain for them in the Big East. They certainly have among the smaller athletic budgets in the Big East Conference, um, although that they've, they've increased that some. Uh, they've always kind of outpunched their weight class. You know, they may continue to have to do that. Um, they, they, oddly, they have probably benefited from transfers more than any program I can think of. I mean, really? I, I think of Butler's all-transfer team, and it's like unbelievable. <laughs> I mean, they, you know, all league players, almost league players of the year. I mean, they're the the guys that they have had transfer there have 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 uh, most of them have really turned out well. Especially guys who had to uh, like sit out a year, you know, practice with the team the whole year, and then come back. Of course, you're not going to have that now. But they but they have done really well with transfers, and they've got a guy this year named. Ty Gross, who was an outstanding player at Eastern Michigan, I think averaged about 15.7 rebounds a game, is very athletic, and uh, they, they've added him to, uh, to four other super seniors who, who decided to come back for a pandemic oh, no season. Kidding. So, so, so yeah, Butler's starting lineup will be older than that of several NBA teams. <laughs> Do you stay in contact, speaking of NBA teams, with Brad Stevens? No, not really. No, I, I haven't really interacted with him uh, for, for, for quite a while. Um, uh, I, I was probably like a lot of other people, a little surprised by him leaving the coaching, going to the front office. I, I could certainly see him doing it, um, but, but he's a very competitive person, so I wonder how long, he'll, how long he'll find that to be satisfactory. Do you think any of those talks about him in Indiana, there was ever anything to that? No. No. Because his name popped up couple of times yeah it's 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 a delusion held among Hoosier basketball fans looks like they're going to be happy with Woodson though he's off to a good start yeah he really is he definitely is you got Trace you mentioned Trace uh, Jackson Davis he's back at yeah. center and they've added a cop from uh, Northwestern and they've they've added some players and so and they and he's had a good recruiting year yeah yeah they, 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 so they've definitely a got a start. chance to be a bit to be to be very good and and he uh uh, he seems to have a good handle on things, and and made former Butler coach Thad Mata as kind of a you know basketball ad- administrator person, and and they are, they're definitely off to a good start. So it'll they it'll be interesting to see how they how this next season plays out on on a lot of levels. But they certainly have a chance to be a lot better than they have been. What about Thad Mata? You talk to him much? Not too much. He he kind of he kind of shies away from the media a little right. bit. But I've, I've I've interacted with him a little bit. He was a, always an interesting story, being a, a local Houston, guy here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, David, we appreciate your time. Good to see you back in town, and uh, keep Thanks up for, the good work over there. Thanks for dropping by. Yeah, well, I, I just enjoy this, and, and, and uh, you know, I just hope, uh, and I think people do recognize the contributions that 
Coach Wenicky made, uh, you know, not only probably the Lanai track team, but, you know, the whole athletic program because, you know, he was succeeding and winning at a time when, when nobody else was. And he had a knack not only for coaching the whole team, but he kind of had that specialty in the half mile and the, and the distance races. Yeah, I call him the Einstein of the 800 meters. And, <laughs> and I, don't, I don't think it's a coincidence that he coached Leela Beatty, you know, who was the first runner to run a sub four minute mile in the Big Ten. Leela Beatty coaches Clayton Murphy who was an Olympic bronze medalist in the 800 meters in Rio and just recently won, uh, won the Olympic trials with the world-leading time. So that's a pretty direct link from Winnicky to Labadee to Murphy. Okay. Keep up the good work. We look forward to your Olympic coverage. Thank you. Yep. David Woods has been our guest. We'll take a break. Kendall Gill will join us coming up after the next timeout. It is 1026 on Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. Welcome back to the program, everybody. This is Illini Fellows Saturday Sports Talk. It's 1030 WDWS, Champaign-Urbana, Lauren Tate, and yours truly, Steve Kelly, with you until 11 o'clock. Thanks to David Woods for stopping by and talking about uh, the late Gary Winnicky, who passed away uh, this week, and some other topics as well. We're happy to welcome to the program uh, a frequent contributor to our show. Kendall Gill is with us from uh, Chicago. KG, how are you, my friend? Hey, how you guys doing? We're hanging in there, and coming up Monday at uh, down at Savoy is the 32nd annual Cunningham Children's Home Kendall Gill Golf Classic, and you're making uh, both uh, Lauren and I feel old, maybe yourself <laughs> feel old, <laughs> to, to know that this is the 32nd uh, anniversary of this event. That's, that's great stuff. Yeah, that's that's amazing. Thirty-two years. You know, I was actually looking in the mirror today when I when I got up, and I'm looking at all the grays in my beard now. So. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah, you're, you're right, Steve. I'm not making my, my. I'm feeling kind of older myself now, especially the thirty-second um, golf outing. But you know, it, it's for a great cause. Um, you know, we. I don't know of how many golf outings that that pro athletes have had that have lasted as long as, as the Cunningham one has lasted um but uh you know i'm proud that that we've hung in there this long and you know of course coach henson of course coach henson was involved with it he and uh, mrs henson for a very long time and uh you know it's just it's just a special event for me the event over the uh, years and 31 previous years raised over a half a million dollars five hundred fifty thousand dollars and even last year in a pandemic year you were able to to carry it off and raise over thirty one thousand dollars that was that was a milestone in my mind, uh, just to to be able to keep the streak going and and have the event last year. Yeah, it was because actually I thought that uh, that that our streak was going to be in jeopardy because of the pandemic. But you know, thanks to the staff at Cunningham, they figured out a way to keep the the event going, and uh, you know, it, it turned out to be a successful. Like you said before, we raised thirty one thousand dollars when when I thought we weren't going to be able to raise anything because you know I just didn't think we were going to be able to have it. I was talking to Mike Walner this week down uh, at uh, Savoy, the director of golf, and sounds like you've got uh, uh, a standing room only, a sold-out uh, kind of deal there with both courses occupied. Is that right? Yeah, we we, we have a, another great turnout. Of course, you know, people continue to, to support uh, the outing, you know, because of the Cunningham Children's Home, because it's such a good cause. And, uh, you know, we, 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 we want to thank all the participants you know, for continuing to come year after year after year. I mean, we've had some people that have been there all 32 years. Um, and, you know, they're, they're to be commended for that. And, you know, I, I'm just 
happy to to come back to my second home, Champaign Urbana, and 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 help out Cunningham Children's Home in any way I, that I can. Well, Kendall, this is Lauren. I'm going to swing you over to the playoffs now. You hey, see, <laughs> you, you see what's going on. It looks it looks to me like. Uh, uh, Phoenix is going to be hard to stop here. Uh, what's your take on what you see in the, in the playoffs this year? Well, you know, I just think that it's Chris Paul's year. I think that it's Monty Williams' year. You know, of course, we all know about the tragic death of Monty Williams' wife about five, six years ago um, and his story. And, you know, I think that he's deserving of everything that's happening to him. Now, the series, the series is not over yet. Uh, but they sure do look, Lauren, like they're going to be the NBA world champions. And, uh, you know, we, they got a great cast of players with Aiden, um, Devin Booker, Chris Paul, um, and those, the big three. You know, they and, they, and I really like the brand of basketball that they play. I mean, you know, we look, we look at a lot of NBA teams now and they're really conditioned to, to take three-pointers or a layup. These guys just strictly, you know, you know they'll take the three-pointer if they have it, but, I mean, they do mix in the mid-range game, which is, you know, how they played in my era, uh, into today's game, and they're successful with it. But you look at all, you know, and I and I talk to some people about this. We have debates about whether, you know, NBA teams should shoot more threes than 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 two than mid-ranges. And I say, look at the past three NBA champions. You look at the Toronto Raptors a couple of years ago when Kawhi Leonard did a great job. He he's the king of the mid-range. Look at the Los Angeles Lakers. They don't really shoot that many threes. And now you look at the Phoenix Suns, you know, they really, the, the bread and butter of their game is, is the mid-range game. So, you know, I, if I'm going to bet on somebody, I'm not going to bet on the guy shooting all of the threes. Well, there's a, there's a certain inconsistency to shooting the threes. I mean, they can look very good on certain nights, and you wonder how you'll ever beat them. And then, the, 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 you know, I, I always bring up the point, if somebody's going to shoot 40%, that means they shoot 50% sometimes, and they shoot 30% sometimes. And when you shoot 30%, you might not win. Yeah, you might not win. And, and I tell people this all the time. You know, everybody can't be the Golden State Warriors. You know, when the Golden State Warriors came out and were winning the championships, those guys are some of the three of the greatest shooters of all time and Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, and Kevin Durant. Yeah, they can do that, but everybody can't. So, and then you look at the Golden State Warriors, they actually did mix a lot of mid-range shots into what they did offensively. So, you're absolutely right, Lauren. I'm, I'm, I'm going to go back to the way that we used to play. I know that, that we have to evolve and that teams have to shoot the three-point shot, but I'm not going to exclusively just look for threes and, and, a, and a layup. You know, we a couple of years back, the Chicago Bulls, who, who I work for now as, as the pre-halftime post-game analyst, they were, they, this is the type of basketball they were trying to play. And, you know, you saw guys in the lane that would have a wide-open 10-footer, but they would turn it down to take a three-point shot. They would try and kick it out. I call it uh, accidental basketball. You know, and, and it just doesn't, in my opinion, it just doesn't work to, if you're trying to win a championship. Talking to Kendall Gill, we do have the phone lines open, 217-356-9397, and we have a call for Kendall, Joe in Champaign. Go ahead, Joe. Yes, Kendall, I uh, understand that some of the flying Illini are going to be at an autograph signing in Muhammad this afternoon. Is that right, and uh, are you going to be there? That that is correct. I actually talked to Kenny Battle yesterday, but I, I won't be there because I had previous obligations. Uh, my son's graduation party is today. <laughs> Graduated from the eighth grade, and uh, I also have to attend one of my best friend's weddings. So unfortunately, I won't be able to be there. 
Um, but the, uh, I believe Marcus Liberty will be there. I believe Nick Anderson will be there. Kenny, Kenny Battle will be there. Uh, I think that Lowell will be there. I'm not sure, but uh, about four or five of us will be there. I'll be there in Great. spirit, though. Great. Well, thank you very much. Thanks for the call, Joe. Mm-hmm. Talking uh, some more basketball with Kendall Gill. Let's, uh, you, you mentioned uh, the Bulls, that uh, you're still involved with the Bulls. And the draft coming up, uh, in the best-case scenario, what uh, what do you see the Bulls doing? What do they need to do? Well, of course, we had to give our draft pick up to Orlando for the right. trade. So I think that the Bulls will do better in, in free agency. Um you know, you you may they they may run into a and, and believe me, the Bulls are very good at scouting. Um, you know, they've they've done a tremendous job. Um, picked Patrick Williams with the fourth pick last year out of draft. I think that he's going to be an excellent player in the future. So don't be surprised if they get a guy late in the second round. I believe that's where their pick is that will fill one of their needs. I think that they need a, a knockdown shooter, and I think that they need a point guard. And also in free agency, you got. Um, Lonzo Ball out there, who possibly could could be seeking a trade. You got Mike Conley. Uh, that's what I think that the Bulls need. They need a knockdown shooter and they need a point guard. Do you see any possibility for um, uh, Ayo Desumu with the Bulls? Uh, it's possible. It's possible. But you know what surprises me, Lauren? It, you know, Ayo is one of the most decorated players in Illini history. Of course, All American had a great season last year. But I'm surprised that he's so low on the draft board. I, I, w- I would think that, uh, you know, he was going to be a, a top five pick, you know, the, the year that he had. Um, but unfortunately, you know, I've, I've seen him, his name, like low first round, early second round. So, mm-hmm. you know, it, that could be a possibility, you know, if, if the Bulls, you know, can swing a deal or if he falls down to the Bulls. Yeah, I, absolutely. I would take him in a heartbeat. I mean, 6'5", a combo guard, and a guy that can play the point guard position. Absolutely. Back in your day, where would a guy like Kofi Coburn be drafted in the NBA? Uh, in my day, Kofi would probably be drafted uh, – I'd say mid to late first round because of his size right. and, you know, because of his bulk. But the game has changed today. Of course, we all know you see um, centers now shooting three-point shots from with, with regularity. Uh, you know, that's just the way the game has changed. And, you know, it's rare that you see uh, centers like Patrick Ewing, like Brad Doherty, like Hakeem Olajuwon, David Robinson, those guys. I believe that those times will, will I think I believe that those times will change and come around again. Um, you see DeAndre Ayton uh, from the Phoenix Suns, who pretty much has an old school big man type of game, but he can also knock down the 15 to 17 foot shot. I think that that's the one thing that Kofi has to work on because when you get up to that league and and, and up to that level, you know, yeah, he's a big guy for college, but you know, in, in the pros, he's he's still a big guy, but there's a lot of guys his size, too. Back in your day as a college player with the Flying Illini, how well could you guys have done with name, image, and likeness? <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> you could have had fun with oh, that, right? Gosh. Hey, uh, you know, Kenny Ballard and I talked about it, Steve Bardo, we talked about that the other day. And, you know, we were kind of, we, we were trying to calculate how much we could make. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah, hey, listen, they, that, that rule came around a little bit too late for us, but, you know, I'm happy for 
the college athletes that they'll be able to benefit and, and make money off of their likeness. You know, I've always been a guy in support of, of college athletes being paid because of the amount of money um, that uh, they make uh, for the universities. And, uh, you know, I know there's a big debate about that, but, uh, you know, we, we could talk about that for hours, but I'm glad that it's happened. Um, Illinois just uh, recently hired Tim Anderson. They made the announcement yesterday as an assistant coach. He's a Chicago guy. Do you happen to know him at all? Yeah, I know him a little bit. So very, very, very capable. I'm, I'm glad he's a Chicago guy because it keeps ties with the Chicago land uh, public school system and, and then the private school system here. You know, we always got to keep our finger on the pulse uh, to see what uh, guys are, are, are coming out, and, and like I said before, if, if I'm Illinois, I always want to be in the conversation of any player uh, that's coming out of the Chicagoland area. You know, they, yeah, they, they may not, uh, recruits may not pick us, but we always got to be in the conversation. And, and, you know, if we can get half of those guys, I think that we'll be okay. Speaking of future players, you talked about the eighth grade graduation of your son, Phoenix. Is he, uh, yeah. is he getting uh, some attention these days? Uh, yeah, he is, <laughs> but uh, he doesn't like me to talk about it. Okay. Now he's, he's coming of age. He, you know, he, for, actually, for the first time, he's going to St. Ignatius College Prep here in, in, in Chicago, and, and he told me, Dad, I don't want you to come to practice. <laughs> and I asked him, well, well why, why don't you want me to come to practice? He says, because I want the coaches to know that I'm working hard for me, not for you. So, uh, you know, that's a sign that he's growing up. And, you know, I sat out in the parking lot almost in tears, but, (laughs) 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 but, but Hey, you know, I gotta, I gotta let him go at some time. You know, hopefully he'll let me come to some practices. Now, is he going to be six, four, six, five, like yourself, or can you tell yet? Yeah, well, he's six, two now. Okay. From the eighth grade. Yeah. He's six, two. So, uh, you know, hopefully, hopefully he gets there, you know, we'll, we'll see. (laughs) Well, back to the uh, Cunningham Children's Home Kendall Gill golf outing on Monday. Is Brad Underwood going to be there? I think I saw where he's expected to be on hand. Yeah, Coach Underwood will be there. Of course, he, he supported the, pro, the the golf outing ever ever since he's been here and uh, at U of I. And you know, we appreciate his support. Um, and you know, we look forward to him coming out and talking to the golfers before they uh, tee off. And, and Mary Henson will be there, I'm sure. Yeah, Mrs. Henson will be there as well. Um, of course, you know, golf outing wouldn't be the same. Of course, it's not the same without Coach Henson, but, you know, it really wouldn't be the same if, if Mrs. Henson wasn't there as well. But she will come out and, uh, you know, we'll have her parking space for her, just like we always do. So, <laughs> you know, I'm looking forward to seeing her. I'll give you a little heads up. Lauren's feeling kind of frisky these days. And we, the other day he wanted to – he put up his dukes like he wanted to box with me a little bit on the golf course. And I, I said oh, – and, oh, I, and I said – I tell you what, I'm, I'm going to pass on this, but I got a guy <laughs> who'll be in town on Monday, and he'll put up the Dukes with <laughs> you. St- you're still doing some boxing training, aren't you? Oh, absolutely. I, I still I still train three three days a week in the boxing gym, and uh, you know if I get if you know I've been lobbying for this fight with Jake Paul um, for about a year now. Um, if I get that, then I'll really start training full time. Uh, but you know, I stay, I, I stay in shape, guys. Because you know, you stay ready so you don't have to get ready. Even at this age, <laughs> I'm, I'm still, I'm still, the, I'm still the same way. <laughs> well, that's that's great, and it's always good to talk to you, Kendall. And uh, we really appreciate everything you do, especially for the uh, Cunningham Children's Home. And I look forward to seeing you.
Hey, thanks, guys. I appreciate it. See you money, Kendall. You bet. Kendall right, Gill with us. Steve alone now. Okay. <laughs> I, I'll hold my own. I just, you know, he's got a couple of years on me. I didn't want to be the guy that is known for knocking Lauren Tate out. <laughs> okay, yeah, don't do that. Don't do that. All right. We'll see you. All right, guys. Yep. Kendall Gill with us at 1045. We'll take a break and be back with our final 15 minutes. We'll have the phone lines open if you'd like to join us on Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. 1047, Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. And if you're in the market for some windows or doors for your home, folks at Illini Pella are the people to see. They're on North Country Fair Drive in Champaign. They've served uh, this area for many decades now, and they'd like to help you find the perfect window or door whether you're looking for new or replacement windows or doors, the showroom is at 1001 North Country Fair Drive in Champaign. That's where you'll see the products in person. You'll discover the beauty of wood windows, the ease of between the glass blinds, and the durability of fiberglass entry doors. Pella is rated uh, number one by Champaign homeowners as the window brand that can improve the value of your home. Now would be a good time to Get in touch with those folks. Their hours are Monday through Friday, 8 to 5, or Saturday by appointment. And the experts there know all about what type of window or door might work best for your home or each unique home. And working with them is an easy process from start to finish. They'll be there to help you all the way from picking out the products to uh, talking about installation and financing if you need that as well. And on Ipella Windows and Doors... Their website is PellaOfChampagne.com. Mike Mary and the folks at Illini Pella. We do have the phone lines open for you here for the last uh, 10 minutes or so. 217-356-9397 is the number if you'd like to join us. Cubs and the Cardinals play again this evening. If there's any fans that might want to watch <laughs> those two teams play. Well, I'm, if I'm a Cub fan, I want to get my last look at uh, the lineup as I, you know, as it is in this final two weeks of July. Because at some point before the first of August, Steve, there's going to be some kind of a deal made. Yep. Let's go to the phones. Our friend Marty might be wanting to talk about Cardinal baseball. Not sure, but let's find out. Hey, Marty. Well, maybe. Maybe if I have to, but uh, Lauren, I think there's going to be more than one deal made by the Cubs. Yeah, there might be a few. Yeah, uh, I really enjoyed you having Steve Lanner on. It brought back a lot of memories to me. Uh, I was a senior in college when they played Michigan State, and I drove over from Jacksonville in snow flurries to get to that game, and I was sitting in the third row B down toward the uh, corner where Eddie made that shot had a great view of Lanner kicking him the ball. And that was great, but what uh, what I remember most was I also had the same seats for Saturday's game against Ohio State. Yeah. And that was, I believe, Warren, the real advent of three-guard lineups. Because although Herb Williams may have made the shot that beat him, there was a little guy named Carter Scott that was a 6'2". They list him as a forward, but he was a guard. And he gave Illinois Dickens a trouble that day because it was a mismatch all day long. And uh, it, it was a great game, but unfortunately we lost it. But I remember it well because I, I, we would have been number one in the country. I remember Sports Illustrated had a cover the next uh, week that said a case of fratricide. 
Well, you you remember that uh, Eddie Johnson drove in for the winning basket right at the end of the game and got it blocked from dead behind. Uh, Illinois would have won the game, been number one in the country. Not that that matters because they, that they lost right after that, but uh, lost they several. They were going to lose after. Without, Lan- without Lanner, they were in trouble. Yeah, they were. And, All you know, and Mark Smith, they tried to, you know, between Judson and Mark Smith, they were trying to make up for that point guard situation. And yeah. neither one of those guys was actually quite a point guard. Judson was a no. shooter, and, and Mark was better, uh, I thought, was better as a forward. But Mark could do about everything. Yep. Mark was an all-purpose. I mean, he could pass it. He could shoot it. He was a heck and, of a ball player. I thought. I thought and defend. He oh yeah, he could do it all. He's quite a player. And the, but Lanter was a quarterback. He was a guy that would run the show, and he didn't care if he scored. And uh, they they missed him when he got hurt terribly. Uh, but that was a you know, I don't think they were going to beat Michigan State that year for the league anyway. I mean that was. That was a heck of that was a good league that year, as it usually was back then. Yeah. As for the Cardinals, Steve, uh, when you get decent starting pitching, you're in the game, and when you don't, you're not. It's just the way it is. Yeah. Well, all right, Marty, we appreciate it. Uh, we've got another caller on right. hold, but it's always good to hear from I you. Know you do. Take care. Yep, you too. Let's go to Keenan in Champaign. Good morning. You're on the air. Can you hear Steve? I, I, I cannot hear you very well. Could you speak up a little bit? Okay, can you hear me now? Barely. Okay, how about now, man? Oh, you, yeah. Now we got okay. it. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Uh, Lawrence, let's go back to that 77-79 period in which we hosted the NCAA outdoor meet. Yeah. Wasn't that also the time that we lost the boys' state track meet? Remember? It was supposed to go to Charleston maybe for a year or two until we got that out the way, but we never got it back. I don't know the I timing think, of it. We should have asked Dave Woods that. But Yeah, I, I, I think that was. Uh, we we hosted both of those outdoor meets, and we just never got the Boys State track meet back. Yeah. Okay, man, enjoy your show. Okay, okay. well, thanks. Mm-hmm. We appreciate the call. Back. I, did, I didn't know the connection there. Right. There may be a connection. We had a text earlier um Back to baseball real quick. Uh, any idea what the Cardinals will do with the trading deadline? And what would you do? <laughs> I'd try to find some pitchers, but when uh, other teams know you're desperate for pitchers, they're going to hold you up if they can. Well, it, the pitching is the most important thing, but, but when you also have the weakest hitting right. in the league, <laughs> you just don't know where to start. This team is in real trouble. I, I mean, what are we gonna, what's, what's the long-range situation at shortstop? What's the long-range situation at second base? I mean, I like Edmund. I think he's a, he's a good player, but he's not getting on base. No. I mean, it's uh, he, he hits the ball, but he hits into outs so frequently and, and uh, never gets a walk. And so, you know, that's uh, – and, of course, you're going to lose Carpenter. I mean, I, I th- I'm sure this will be his last year. So they, they'll be able to get, discard some money. Yesterday when he looked at uh, strike three with the bases loaded, I was ready to lose him right then. Well, just keep walking. It's a season long. <laughs> I understand. It isn't, but anyway, I, I it's it's a, I, you know what what the Cardinals have to do right now is to start constructing or building a plan for next season. This season's gone. Now you don't give up. You keep playing. But 
they're not going to they're not going to go anywhere uh, this season with this team with with, when, with the problems that they have. And I don't know how you build that uh, that starting rotation, but they've got to figure out a way to start doing that. Right. Ten fifty five. Need to take one final break. We'll do that and be back with some final words. Stay with us. We're in the home stretch here. Illinois Fellow Saturday Sports Talk. About uh, two and a half minutes uh, remaining in the show. We appreciate uh, everybody that gave us a call. Uh, one other note, uh, Illinois women's basketball got a nice uh, verbal commit this week from a player in Chicago. Her name is Camille Jackson, Played at uh, Butler plays at Butler College Prep. She'll be there as a senior this year. Yep, she's a 2022 um, recruit for Nancy Fay, who has two new coaches. Would on you the say job. that's the best recruit she's had since she's been here? I think so, at, at least so, potentially. Yeah. Yep. And uh, Corey Irvin and Hernando Planels are her two addition additions to her coaching staff. One last thing I want to say about Kofi. Mm-hmm. Orlando Antigua, I'm told by people who I think know, Antigua has told him all along from the beginning and even up to now that he is best if he returns to the University of Illinois. Everybody's thinking, well, because Antigua's gone to Kentucky, that that's where he will go. And I'm sure they have a great relationship, and I'm not sure what they say in private, but Antigua has certainly publicly made it clear that he fe- he favors, uh, he, he thinks that uh, Kofi's better off to return to Illinois for his third season. I think a lot of people think that, but uh, we don't know what Kofi's people were No, no, that's right, right and we don't know what Kofi's thinking. <laughs> quick but, uh, quick question we had uh, off the air, Yeah. Um, and I don't know if we know the answer, but can a college student call and ask a coach what he or she can expect to make in endorsements at a school? That would fall into the recruiting area, I right. assume, and that is not appropriate. And I will say 99 and 99% of, the, of them will do it. Right. <laughs> I mean, it's going on all yeah. the time, and it's, it's improper, I guess, for you to promise anything. But look, that's what's, that's what's going on. And that's going to take care of the show. Our thanks to our guests, Brad Sturdy, Patrick Embleton, Steve Lanner. David Woods and Kendall Gill. Thanks for all the uh, folks that called in as well. On Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk, Dave Leak is our producer. Thanks to Dave as well. On WDWS, Champaign-Urbana, this is Steve Kelly for Lauren Tate. Have a good weekend.